As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Expressing your love can look many different ways. And with the right jewelry gift from Blue Nile, it can truly sparkle. Blue Nile's collection of classic diamond jewelry makes for the kind of gift that speaks volumes without saying a single word. Or switch things up with a sapphire piece sure to spark conversation. Either way, Blue Nile's diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Express yourself with Blue Nile, the original online jeweler, at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. Each episode, our special guest will bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is Izzy Lee. She's a writer, director, and producer known for her short films, including the Lovecraftian story Innsmouth, the sociopolitical satire Rehome, and upcoming Graveyard Disco. Welcome to the show, Izzy. Hey, thanks, guys. So cool to be here. So excited to have you here. Yeah, I, uh, I, I. When you had messaged me, I didn't, I didn't realize that in um one of your uh, uh short films, uh, my monster, that both Bria and Adam <laughs> Egypt or, or Mortimer were in it. <laughs> and yes, in fact, uh, I'm going to confess this on the air, but you got to promise that this is just between the three of us when. Adam walked out from his car. I, w- I didn't realize who it was. And I was like, ooh, who's this hottie? And then I was like, oh, it's Adam. So Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, that's Adam. It is Adam. As far as I know, that is Adam's first ever on-screen role. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yes. Very good. Well, yeah. I was struggling with the choice of, like, do I put introducing Adam Egypt Morbor? I'm like, I don't know, man. It might be a little pretentious. So I did it. <laughs> I should have. I don't know. That would have been, been, that would have been really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I did think about it. So I actually, so in looking at and watching all your short films, I realized I had seen three of your short films before and I didn't know, like I, before I knew you and like just online and on like Shudder. I'd seen oh, Innsmouth. So I saw Innsmouth on Shudder. Was it, it was on Shudder yep. before, right? 
Yes. Okay. I was like, God, am I making that up in my brain? And then I, I saw re- I saw Rehome at Cinepocalypse. Same. Oh, nice. And then I saw um for a good time call. I don't know where. I can't remember. It was a long time ago, but I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I've seen more of these movies than I expected. And they're so good and so different. I, oh, you're so kind. I mean, I get around. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into the horror genre? Like, has it been uh, something you've loved your whole life? Were you, were you like, do you get into it later? Tell us your horror story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my horror story is I was just born a little weirdo. <laughs> and I loved horror immediately. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it was always attracted to the darker sides of things. Like, I would watch stuff like uh, the Roger Corman, Edgar Allan Poe, AIP, Vincent Price uh, movies. And I was so in love with them. Oh, my God. The Lord colors. Oh, yeah. And mystery. And it's so gothic and beautiful and lush and, and dramatic. And, like, I don't know what is going on in my small little brain, but I'm so in love. <laughs> Um, and then an American werewolf is, in London is the first actual horror film that I can vividly remember watching in its, well, I wouldn't, I won't say its entirety because there's a story behind that, but it is the, the one that the made one that got the you biggest, in. deepest, most impression cool. on me as a child. And then like, I have like dozens of others, like after that, like I said, I was like, I can pull from like a whole list. <laughs> You know, but this was like, I got to do this one if I can. <laughs> yeah. So uh, were, was your family full of uh, horror lovers, too, or is it something you discovered on your own? No. So, OK, so I wasn't really supervised as a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, I would have rock fights and, you know, <laughs> we walked to school in like a neighborhood pack of kids yeah in the early 80s when you could do this oh, and, yeah. and it was okay and there was no helicopter parenting really in fact it was like total neglect but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. kids yeah <laughs> right yeah exactly so uh i would entertain myself and you know just find like the weirdest thing i could i could to watch like creature double feature like saturday morning and afternoon i would watch with godzilla and like hell yeah ants and them and stuff like that I just always loved it, you know. As a filmmaker, I only got into it uh, myself fairly recently. Okay. What I had been doing before then, uh, to make a long story short-ish, is that I I became a festival, a film festival programmer in like 2004 with Boston Underground Film, uh, Film Festival. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I did that for a number of years. And, um... From there, I moved on to like genre journalism. So I would write for um, Fangoria.com or, you know, Room Morgue and do capsule reviews or interview people. Uh, I'm still an editor at Screen Anarchy, which uh, back in the day was called Twitch Film wow. um, before the, you know, the gaming site, you know, right. yeah. <laughs> Behemoth Twitch <laughs> came along and there was a whole legal thing. And yeah, so. Um, but with filmmaking um i only wrote my first like short script like 2012 okay. and it was because i got so incensed at the politics in this country yeah that <laughs> i needed to, yeah yeah i'm one of those yeah, same like <laughs> <laughs> excellent <laughs> yeah 
So and and so I don't need to tell you that horror filmmaking is very very political. What? Um, what? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. What are you talking about? I mean, contrary to some people on Twitter, yes, it is incredibly <laughs> political. Yeah. Well, they're they're totally blind and ridiculous for yeah. even thinking otherwise. <laughs> you and I know better. Oh, yeah. Um. So yeah. So when when Representative Todd Akin came out and be like, oh, it's only a legitimate rape if like blah 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 and a woman's body has a whole way to shut that whole thing down and i'm like uh, what how i broke my head broke my mind broke my universe broke and i was like fuck you i'm writing a thing i don't know what's gonna happen but i'm gonna try to do this and that ended up being the short film legitimate which um played some fests here and there and i wasn't sure if i would be able to do it competently or at all but I wanted to try it. I had been an artist. I had been a writer. I had been an actor. I had been in the festival world forever. And I caught the bug and here we are. That's so cool. So you've like really been in so many different areas of the horror world. Like it, not even just in filmmaking, but like as a journalist and at a film festival. And that's so cool. And that's got to be so helpful in the filmmaking process. Just having yeah. like that kind of knowledge of how other different sectors of like horror view and operate i guess i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean there are there are nuances and yeah. stuff and, and and whatever but we're all the same type of personality <laughs> or well maybe not the same personality <laughs> but you know like we're all good people we're all yeah like, the horror people are the best people i've ever met in my life yeah i you agree know, it's something about, i agree yes, i definitely exciting. agree with that yeah, something about exercising your inner demons and getting things out, and then you become sort of well-adjusted to, like, this insane reality that we are forced to live in. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I have to ask about The Obliteration of Chickens, which is one of your short <laughs> films. That, like, I was I was watching, like, um, I, I watched your films in, in order, and one thing that um, I have to say is <laughs> that I, I really... I really could see your growth as a filmmaker over these shorts. Um, And I think that your last few are just uh, rehome. I mean, I reviewed it last year, but I love, absolutely love rehome. Yeah. But the obliteration of chickens, it, (laughs) it's so, it was, (laughs) it's so bizarre from like your other films. And I mean that in a good way. It kind of reminded me of like, um, what's that, that German Werner, Werner, Herzog, Werner Herzog, yes, yeah. doing exactly. like a um, deep thoughts with what was his name, Jack Handy? Is <laughs> Jack that Handy. Jack Handy? <laughs> like I was getting like this this vibe of, of that from this. How did you come up with this sort of like anti self help <laughs> short oh, film? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I love fair. that. <laughs> I, I will say so. Okay, so the. The the narrator of the obliteration of the chickens is my friend Bracken McLeod, and he is a fantastic horror novelist, by the way, like really great psychological horror. Oh, awesome! Um, yeah, and he he also lives here in Massachusetts, and um, we uh, we we go over to his place. He's got a nice family, and then we hang out, and he makes some really mean cocktails, and we just talk about all sorts of things. And um, <clears throat> before. I moved to LA a couple of years back in like 2017. I, um, we were, we were just talking about Werner Herzog because he's such a strange human being. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you be entranced by that? And we were watching clips and I was like, 
bracket. I'm totally going to write something in the vein of Werner Herzog doing something <laughs> incredibly strange, and I don't know what, but when you voice you voice it because he can do that impression really well and he's like fuck yeah just let me know when so i had recorded voiceover before we moved to la and then 10 10 months later we moved back and that was a whole lot that's a whole fucking other story <laughs> but <laughs> um when i got back i was like oh well shit i never made this stupid little movie with my friend but i still have the voiceover so what if i just do st- like strange stock footage show i can have something for the festival festival circuit and like it's gonna be really weird but really funny and like also like super existentialist and nihilist and maybe a little bit positive because it's super funny but i don't know (laughs) um and i was like i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do because i had i had always done like a narrative uh live action type of horror story you know Mm -hmm. and this was like a this is a total departure um, so I had no idea how it was going to be, re- you know, received by festival directors or audiences or even other filmmakers. But um, people, were, yeah, yeah, like people like Adam were actually like really supportive. We've been friends for a while, um, and he's helped me out in a lot of stuff. But uh, I was like, all right, well here we go. Why the fuck not? I'm going to send this out to the universe. And I was really surprised that people liked it so much. And so um, I've made not not exactly a sequel with Disco Graveyard, but. Um, the same sort of uh, assembled footage with te- sort of technique, like a stock footage yeah. with music and 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 yeah. So the uh, the dancing cat in Disco Graveyard, <laughs> <It's> me- <laughs> <laughs> I loved the, the big cat. Flow. The yes, big cat, yes. It's so incredibly strange. It was so like, hypnotic, though. <laughs> Wait, yeah. is that stock footage? Yeah. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> That's the thing. That's amazing. <laughs> Those two films, Disco Graveyard and The Obliteration of the Chickens, are both 100% stock footage. So I, I, I knew that about The Obliteration that. of Chickens, but I didn't realize that about Disco Graveyard. And that makes it even funnier because it, like, I love weird stock footage. Like, I'm a video editor by day for oh, no way. a nonprofit. Yeah. And cool. so, like, stock footage cracks me up all of the time forever. <laughs> and, like, just the stuff that people put out there that you can pay for is hysterical <laughs> and i love that you made it a video of these things that just like exist and you don't know what for what purpose other than you're like this amazing short film you made so that is phenomenal <laughs> like who else well, is using you. the dancing women with the cat floaty i mean maybe i, I will know, but, but like now now i, I want to like... find it but <laughs> yeah i feel like somebody in austin was like hey let's do some weird shit on the weekend and why not and see <laughs> some some idiot weirdo will buy it like me (laughs) let me let me list this and just see what happens and if i make any money and you're like i will help you make some money off of this clip this is the greatest thing i've ever seen (laughs) like it's almost as good as the part in the obliteration of the chickens where like there's the kids at the the birthday party and the clown's nose just falls (laughs) off (laughs) and so so i'm like i said to my editor i said please slow this down I need this to be in slow motion because this is so horrific and yet beautiful and I'm in love. This has to happen. So yeah, if you come across any especially strange stock footage, I want you to email me. I, I want to yeah. know about it. I will. Thank you. Of course. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and then you have, um, it, it, I think it's two, right? That are on the, uh, the altar, um, the dust. I do. Right. Yeah. So it's my monster and mm-hmm. uh, the rights of vengeance. That's a vengeance. Yeah. yeah. So going back to, to my monster a bit, um, 
I I don't want to I don't want to spoil it, but I there is one part you can spoil where spoil it. It's online. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> well, there's one part. I just I just started absolutely laughing, and that was uh-huh. when uh, Bria Grant's like asshole. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite part. It's so fucking good because I was like, you know, I'm like, what am I watching first of all? Because it's like, you know, I have Adam E. Mortimer boxing a demon, and then. <laughs> And then she just comes over and is like, all right, I've had enough of this. I just, I, I, it's, it's exactly what I want to see my heroines do. She's like, Hey, fuck you. What are you doing? Why are you here, man? You just want my blood. Will you leave me alone after I give you my blood? Like, it's just so straightforward. And like what you always like want to happen in horror movies. And it's so funny to see it actually happen. And instead of her being scared, she's like, what the fuck do you want here? Just like bite my wrist and get it over with. Is the dopest, right? It's the dopest. Mm-hmm. It's oh so good. God. Yeah, I I need to have more of what I want to see in the world in my own movie. So that's this is one of my missions. What I'm trying to do. Yeah, and I'm here. <laughs> oh, Terry, sorry. Do you want to ask more about my monster? No, I just wanted to get that out there. That I just I laugh so hard, and I think people should go watch that for sure. On yes. <laughs> And we'll we'll link all of the we'll we'll link the two that are available on YouTube in the description of the podcast so everyone oh, can cool. go watch um, mm-hmm. because Please they're very do. good and worth your time. Um, but you you span so many different topics in your shorts like they're all so different and it's so interesting and like really impressive to see the range that you have with your shorts like going for like my monster but it's really funny to like <laughs> rehome which is pretty political and intense and the rights of vengeance and so like how do you get like where do the ideas come for these stories like how are you in, like okay. what, what gets you inspired i guess so yeah so i as you've probably noticed i swing and by the way thank you so much for the very kind words i really appreciate that oh yeah um, of course thank you um because that's the goal is to grow and get better with every project. Yeah. Um, but like it, you, you guys have noticed that I have a really strange sense of humor and I do a lot of horror. So I tend to swing back and forth between like yeah. super crazy, weird shit, like adult swim type <laughs> humor and off the wall type shit in reality and like really dark yeah. political stuff. Um, because th- that is the war inside my mind. So okay. like I, <laughs> I want the world. So I was having a conversation with Adam recently. I shadowed on his, his new um, movie, Arch Enemy. Um, oh, cool. He, yeah, it, it was very incredibly lucky and honored to be able to do so. And um, we were having a conversation. We were just walking at a lunch with his line producer and his DP. And I heard the word nihilism. I looked up and Adam's like, oh, well, Izzy's you know, into nihilism. And I'm like, I was. <laughs> <laughs> but I want the world to be better. And so Adam says, well, you're post-nihilist then. I'm like, I guess that's what I am. Huh. So basically what that means is I'm an optimist, nihilist, post-nihilist. I'm very confused. Huh. Um, cool. I want, like, I, okay, so there's a lot of shit out there that doesn't matter. And nothing will ever matter because we're all going to die. So that is my base. But then I, I, I have grown and I said, well, I want things to be better. How can I make it better? How can we all make things better? Because maybe nothing fucking matters, but maybe we can make it better while we're fucking here. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. So I have like, if my brain is an internet browser, I have like 40 tabs open all the time. (laughs) And there's stuff that I always want to explore and get back to. With my monster, it was... So I had seen 
actually I had seen Adam Box at Fantastic Fest. I think he did it two years. I'm not sure if it's two years in a row, whatever. Anyway, and I said, hey, clearly I know you direct. And this is back in like, was it 2017? Yeah. But would you act? Because I'm really digging your energy. You have charisma, man. He does. Like, he does. So he thought about it and he's like, yeah, just like that. <laughs> I am like, all right, yeah. well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it happen. I'm going to do something fucking weird. <laughs> and so you're gonna box in it i don't know what yet but oh my god and so yeah <laughs> at least just a little bit with my five dollar budget so I, I wrote the weird little script you know a couple weeks later i sent it to to bria and adam and my husband steve plays the monster by the way oh, okay and, amazing um, so we had a table read and we discussed dialogues and you know dialogue and motivations and like we filmed it like i don't know like two months later Wow. So, yeah, and it was a really fun experience. We only had like 10 hours, I think, to film it. Like that makeup took a long time. I can imagine. A long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually really lucky to get that makeup artist, Sabrina Castro. She went on to like work as a makeup artist in Us. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she, she worked on Baby Driver. And like the craziest thing, like when you film in L.A., you have the most amazing resources of people to choose from. They're so talented. and Oh, my God, I love it. But with Rites of Vengeance, totally different, much darker. Yeah. Like I said, like Dark Side of the Moon, right? Right. So I was raised Catholic. And very, very early on, I had gone to appropriate school, like, I don't know, like first and second grade. And my mom had given me a choice after that. Do you want to continue Catholic school or do you want to go to public school? And I was like, it wasn't even a question. I was like, hands down, public school, get me out of here. <laughs> I don't like nuns. They're fucking weird. They are. Things are creepy. Um, I don't like religion. Like, I'm, I'm saying all of this at like seven or eight years old. Wow. But I didn't trust fucking anybody. And I just had like this, this feeling like these people are smiling and they're talking about this God that no one sees. And like, yet these children in Africa are starving and everything is just seems so hypocritical and off base you know like mm -hmm. where is your god what is this like magical superhero in the sky that no one talks to you know like for real and um i had read like i had they had given us like this weird little like children's edition bible and i remember reading it like i'm six seven eight years old i'm like this is the trashiest novel that was ever written what the <laughs> hell is this shit like people live to be 914 years old and have like 80 kids i don't think so like what is this i was like i don't want any fucking part of this, this is stupid you know so <laughs> and then okay so growing up in, in the boston area you hear things yes and 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 children are getting fucking raped and priests are being moved around so they can rape more kids and i'm like i i'm not you know i had a fight with my mom she wanted me to get confirmed in in high school and i said no i will get married on a beautiful beach somewhere outside in nature if i ever get married because this world sucks <laughs> but you know that is what's going to happen and like no i'm not doing it stop end of story there were so many fights and I was like, no, so I don't trust religion. I know, you know, I personally know someone who's gotten abused by a priest, Jesus, you know, mom. and it's just like, I was like, fuck that. Yeah. So, yeah. So Rites of Vengeance is more of like a personal thing. Yeah. Based in reality. And if you've, if you've seen Spotlight, then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that, yeah, I was seeing like Spotlight and Ms. 45 at the same time. <laughs> just because she wears amazing. the nun outfit at the end. But, you know, it's also like a kind of a rape revenge short 
in a right. way. I don't know. I really dug it. It's so, and I really love, I love when like short films cause it's so amazing what you can do in like four minutes. It's yeah. so cool. It's a challenge. Yeah. But it's so impressive. And I'm always just like in awe of short filmmakers and how they tell such amazing stories in such a short amount of time. It's got to be difficult and nerve wracking. It is. It's the worst thing ever. And it's also super fun. (laughs) You know? (laughs) It's funny how that happens, huh? (laughs) So funny how that happens. It's the light and the dark. It's the terror and the ecstasy. Writing short fiction is much easier. I I can imagine. Although right now during the global pandemic i'm totally uninspired to submit for for one write anything but also submit to like you know open calls for horror fiction anthologies and things like that god it is really hard i mean like terry and i write a lot of like reviews and essays and it's so hard right now to feel any kind Mm -hmm. of creative inspiration to write anything like i just feel so zapped of my creative energy it sucks (laughs) it's the worst because you know is the world ending i don't know probably like what is happening? No one fucking knows. This is basically unprecedented since, you know, what, the Spanish flu of 1918? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. I was like, you're home, you're home all the time. You can write. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, if only it was that fucking easy. <laughs> right? I wish. <laughs> My brain's like, fuck you. No, you're not. <laughs> stare at your phone for 10 hours instead and then also stare at a wall for 10 minutes straight. Just like... <laughs> Uh-huh. Pretending oh, not to geez. feel anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. This is how it goes, man. <laughs> Terry, do you want to talk about what we've been watching recently? Hell yeah. Cool. So Terry, what have you been watching recently? Well, my um obsession with Animal Crossing has been briefly waylaid by my obsession with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh my god, yes! More video games! Which I am <laughs> loving so, so, so much. Really? Um, I've, heard, I've heard really good things about it. It's so good. Like I was, I, you know, when when they talked about the fact that this, the original game was, you know, this big epic, and they've focused this this copy, this uh, version, on just the town of Midgard. I was like, well, how are they going to like stretch that out to being like a forty or fifty hour game? But so far, it's it's really good. And I just, uh, man, I will tell you what, I love the music in that game. Cool. Um, I mean, it might not be my favorite Final Fantasy, but the music in it is just, it's so iconic and so brilliant, and I just. I love it so much. Um, oh, yeah. And then I, I've taken on this project where I'm trying to get through my backlog of movies. And <laughs> today I saw on uh, on Twitter, Anya Stanley, oh she was God. talking about how <laughs> like she was she was canvassing Twitter for like uh, programs to like capture easily capture your your movie collection digitally. And oh, yeah. someone suggested um, I think it's called My Movies three pro which is like i think it was like a ten dollar purchase on on apple store so i bought it and i have (laughs) spent today like categorizing all of my movies (laughs) just like using the barcode scanner and getting all my movies in it because i'm i'm trying to really make a push through it so the one movie that i did watch on this and i'm doing this on the on the podcast so you guys can help keep me on track. <laughs> uh, so the movie I watched is called Deadline um, from 1984. Okay. Um, I think I think it was a Vinegar Syndrome uh, release okay. recently. Um, and it's about it, it's a uh, thinly veiled story about Stephen King. Oh. Um, <laughs> like it's a, it's about this this writer who 
in the synopsis begins to lose his ability to distinguish between his, his fantasies and reality is what it says. But really what it is, is he's like struggling with writer's block and the movie interjects a bunch of um, scenes that I guess he's thinking of in his head. Um, so like, it's like this almost kind of like depressing destruction of a family where like the, the, the wife and him aren't getting along and they have kids that he's like ignoring one of them by the way is uh this a girl that was in the the brood it's a canadian feature yeah so like um yeah cindy hines Hines? yeah Mm -hmm. so she um she's in this um and i was like i was like because she kind of reminded me of the the i can't remember her name was the girl that was in poltergeist but then i realized that Mm, it was the girl from the brood but like he's like uh, never there. He hates his family. He's an asshole. He's abusive. He just like, he's, whenever the kids are asking for something, he's like, where's your mom? Go talk to your mom. And then inner cut through this are like scenes of, of ridiculous violence. Like there's one where this woman is taking a shower and then like the, 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 it starts to like erupt blood in her face. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> and <laughs> one is there's this, I hate it when that happens. Right. <laughs> one, there's this woman that's like, who's severely like really pregnant and she's giving birth and her stomach is very big. And then she starts like spurting blood and the doctors are talking about how these, it's another case of the fetus is committing suicide in the womb. (laughs) Like it's just, it's this really bizarre, weird over the top, like violence and gore vignettes interspersed in what's basically a family, like arguing with each other. (laughs) I'm here it's, for it. It's wow. so weird. It's so weird, but I kind of dug it. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my uh my my first uh movie in this hopeful series of getting my hundreds of movies watched. So how does that app work? Do you so you scan your barcode and then what what happens after yeah, that? Yeah, so it like um it just basically makes like a category of of all of your movies that and that you you have and so like you can either add them um, by doing the barcode or you can add them in manually. And then like one of the things that I really like about it and one of the things I'm going to be using for this is that if you shake if you shake your phone or whatever, it will randomly give you a movie. Oh, so that's <laughs> I'm cool. I'm planning on using that to like just shake it and whatever movie comes up as a movie I'm going to watch <laughs> <That's> <laughs> to get smart. through my my stock of, of movies. But yeah, it's just basically like an online repository of all of your movies that you own and you can like change it stuff that you own stuff that you've seen stuff that you want to sell i guess like there's there's a whole lot of different options but wow cool so that's funny because i'm doing something very similar um because of anya stanley's tweet and trying to organize my blu-ray and graphic novel collection i'm using a different app that has for books and for movies called libib i think or libib um same concept you it's free and you scan the barcode and it populates into a library and you can have different libraries of different stuff and that is my new project whilst in quarantine to try to get my stuff together and stop buying repeat comic books and just like have an inventory of my movies so i'm glad that we are on the same wavelength terry (laughs) yeah and i mean the other thing is is that like there's been so many times where a vinegar syndrome sale pops up or like a synapse (laughs) or something and i'm like oh do i have that movie I don't know if I have that movie. And so like either A will buy it and I'll end up having it or B it just won't buy it. And then I'll be like, ah, I should have bought it because I don't have it. So I'm hoping that this way will like help me keep track of all of these little boutique places. And that's so cool. I'm just going to say it warms my 
cold little dead cracked black heart that you guys buy physical media oh i, I love, love physical, media. physical media yeah. like, i mean it's the greatest it's don't the get me wrong i love the i love the uh the ease of being able to stream stuff but like i'm i mean i'm a kid of the you know i grew up in the 80s i had vhs's i betas yep. i love yeah. i love the the act of, of owning it and i also love the fact that i mean itunes is doing it now a lot more but like just like the the options that are available on it with like you know the background and the yeah the commentaries and all that kind of kind of fun stuff that right i movies don't seem to be doing as much find that online and now that everyone and their mom is streaming everything every day all day long all night long like the internet the streaming services sometimes stop working yeah or yeah like, you're like oh i want to watch this movie but then it's gone yep you know it was there but it's gone but like physical media you own that forever until it wears out or right something else c- catastrophic happens you know yeah and like i like to get physical media too because like with graphic novels i get to support my local comic book shop and mm-hmm. like a lot of the times i'm buying dvds from either like vinegar syndrome or arrow or severn or i'm getting them like i'm getting used dvds from like my favorite record shops that have like used records and dvds and stuff so you know i like it's like a nice way to support small businesses and stuff and i mean i I signed up for the the yearly vinegar syndrome release which like i i think if you buy everything like if you're planning to buy everything is a great deal but like there's a lot of i mean let's be honest there's sometimes a lot of crap that that (laughs) they put out but I, I got to support them because I love to see I who who would have known that I would want to watch a movie called Deadline, right? Or yeah, that, like all these true. movies that you won't find anymore unless someone is taking care of it and doing the work to like put them onto, you know, digital media and bring them up from being like a reel to to being on a Blu-ray. I think that's I think that's awesome. And that's that's why I support them for sure. Absolutely. And we need our film history archived. Yeah. Know, like what's going to yes. happen? I mean, that's exactly it. Like if, cause if we're who, no one else is going to do it. No one else yeah. is, is going out there going, Oh, this movie needs to be restored. So I just, I, I gotta, I gotta support them. Even if like some of the movies I'm like, well, that was definitely a, a movie I watched. <laughs> Somebody made this. Yes. <laughs> I consumed that. <laughs> I did. Yes. But yeah, so that's, that's me. What about you, Mary Beth? So I'm also going on a journey, but it's a different journey. It's a found footage horror film journey for a personal project that I'm working on and basically trying to watch a lot of found footage movies and looking at them in like various perspectives. But basically I want to like, you know, as Amazon Prime has like a shit ton of found footage horror that actually is not bad. Like I've actually watched a couple of really good found footage movies that have like two reviews and no one's really seen them. Um, this one I watched called Leaving DC is actually really amazing. Um, it's about a guy who, and it's funny because I live in DC, so that caught my eye immediately because sometimes I would also like to leave DC. Um, <laughs> but he has OCD, which I do too. So again, I was like, okay, I love to see OCD in horror cinema. And it's about him moving to West Virginia to get away from the city. And he's making these video, blo- these, these vlogs for his OCD support group to check in with his mental health while he is living out in the woods in Virginia, West Virginia. And of course, like spooky shit starts going down. And so it's really creepy. It's, it's really just one guy on a camera and it's so well done. And I think the found footage horror genre gets a lot of shit for being like, for being bad and being lazy. <laughs> 
But I, I honestly think it's one of like the most innovative subgenres right now for feature films. I think that there's mm. a lot of really interesting film techniques and obviously there are bad ones. I have seen many bad found footage films and I know that a lot of the time like studios will grab onto the idea and try to make a quick buck with a bunch of jump scares. But like some of the, some of the stuff I've watched is really fascinating and like really is effective use of scares. And even though they're not always like amazing, I really respect how those filmmakers are trying to get around budgetary restrictions by using this really fascinating kind of like quasi rebellious form of making films that is like goes against the usual like illusion of filmmaking. But I have a lot mm-hmm. of feelings about found footage. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. And I saw Leaving DC, and then I finally saw Hell House LLC for the first time from 2015. And that yeah. was also amazing. Lots of people have talked about it. It's about this group of people basically is going to set up a haunted house in this old hotel called the Abaddon Hotel, when Abaddon is a demon. And it, it the, haunt, the hotel is very haunted. And it's a found footage show about that. And I it was so creepy. And I guess I just have like a very weirdly big passion for found footage all of a sudden and like want to champion the subgenre and try to like really dig into it and like find the gems. So yeah, it's been my fun journey the past couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you could totally look at found footage in films as outsider cinema. Yes. In an aspect because they're not following traditional rules. They're making them up or they're making their own universe of rules. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it, it feels so far left to feel that anything Hollywood usually does. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, and I also think it's amazing in these movies where like they intentionally add like glitches and bad camera added, like bad editing <laughs> and like bad f- footage. And it's like, I feel like, you know, a lot of cin- like in film history, it's all about like maintaining the artifice of the cinema and like looking at the, like the screen, like the, the big, the bright wall in the dark room and like being mm-hmm. immersed in the world. But like the found footage films basically say fuck you to that. And it's so cool. I think it's a fascinating thing to th- kind of look at and examine so that's been my past couple of <laughs> my week and my past couple of weeks izzy what have you been watching a lot because you know we're shrapped <laughs> so i have okay so the one that i i just finished okay i'm late to the party on this i think but uh the second season of you last night oh, oh i've yes. never watched you actually oh, wasn't it my good god Okay, it's Gossip Girl, but filled with horror. Yeah. Right? Okay, I should then I it's, should watch that. That the way you just described it sells me because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I hadn't been sold before, but now I feel, dude, it's nuts. It's, it's so nuts. Oh my god, I am a thousand percent here for Penn Badgley and anything he wants to do ever again. <laughs> He's going on my dream cast list after this <laughs> because no, for real, he's oh, really so... good though. I mean, like I like yeah. him in general, but I've just seen like clips from you, and he's so yeah. creepy. He's so creepy, but then charismatic you know, there, as fuck. There are certain scenes where he's totally in love with whoever the object of his affection is at that point, and there is this look of rapture mm-hmm. that comes over his face that I've not often seen in any actor, and that is magical. The only wow. other person I've seen it in recently has been like Timothy Chalamet when like he <laughs> yeah. in like Call Me by Your Name, just the way he like stares. At at, yeah. at his his co star in it like it's like that yeah I I can I know exactly what look you're talking about with him <laughs> it's like whew. yeah so it's like you're totally in love your clothes fall off I am here yep. what's going on like <laughs> let's do this we're going to another universe that's what that feels like uh huh 
And right. what about Victoria Pedretti, though, in, in season right. two? She's so fantastic. She was in uh, The Haunting of Hill House, and mm-hmm. her character on this is is so interesting. <laughs> it is. I, I was, without spoiling it, like, I was thinking, I'm like, hmm, I'll bet this is going to go in this direction because I'm a horror filmmaker and writer. Right. And I was right. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she's so... You know, yeah, she's so very, very assertive, and there's, there's, there's no way that she's gonna go down without a fight. Yeah, uh, and what a contrast to the first season's uh, love interest, right? Like, yeah, it's just, interesting. It's... I thought that actress was also phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I've also been watching Killing Eve, which is really fun. Oh, I love Killing Eve. I need to get yeah. into that. I've never I need to catch it. up. I only watched the first season, but it's so good. It's just like. It's very bingeable. Like you get sucked in. Yeah. Yep. Um, the 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 writing is so super smart. It is. It's by a, a Phoebe, it, right? Yeah, yeah Phoebe yeah. Waller Bridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's like watching this. You can see why they chose her for the Bond film. Yeah. Yes. You know. And and it's rare that I laugh out loud at things, so I always appreciate that. I've also been watching Peaky Blinders, which is great. Um, Recently watched Vampire's Kiss, the 1980. Oh my god, yes. Nicholas Cage. It's batshit. It's batshit. I bat love shit. that movie. <laughs> like, somebody made this. Somebody made this. <laughs> and like, Nicholas Cage, it's just always like, he talks like this. And it's like, he's just always been weird. And I, you know, respect. <laughs> A, B, C, D, G, F, A, H. It's, Terry, have you Terry, have you seen it? No, I have not. You have to see it. It's so interesting. Um, interesting is one word. It's one word. <laughs> Horrifying is another. Yeah. Hilarious is another. It's, yeah. Drop, drop, jaw dropping. What the fuck is mostly my yeah. words for that film? Yeah. I'm gonna have to watch it. You is it streaming it anywhere? Be, yeah. I watched uh, it on it might, Amazon. I think. Did you? But I don't yeah, know if it's. it's if you go to, do you guys have the app Just Watch? It's the greatest. So if you put in like a movie title to either the app or the desktop version, Just Watch, um, it'll tell you if it can find your movie that you want to see and where it's playing. Oh, okay. that's. Oh yeah, yeah, it's on Prime. I'm gonna have to watch it. I will watch yeah, it. You have yeah, to, it's real good. And then tweet about it. Yeah. And tweet at me because I want to know what you think. Oh yeah. It's, uns- it's totally insane. Totally insane. Um, I've also been going through Stuart Gordon's catalog. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah. Dolls, Reanimator, Dagon, Castle Freak, uh, From Beyond, Pit and Pendulum. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a giant. He really was. So we have been talking about what we've been watching now, but what movie are we talking about today, Izzy? Well, (laughs) that would be An American Werewolf in london oh my gosh you're so excited um so before we start talking about this movie um we'll give you a quick synopsis to catch you up listener so david and jack are two american students on a walking tour of britain and are attacked by a werewolf jack is killed and david barely survives while convalescing in a london hospital he begins to have nightmares and finds that his friend has come back to haunt him demanding him to kill himself before he kills again but has he truly been cursed or is he just going insane Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> who can say for sure 
Well, in about an hour of the movie, you can you can say for sure. <laughs> I was surprised at how long it, it took to get to that that point. Like it, it's so good up until that point, but it, it surprised me how it wasn't until an hour in that the transformation happens. But right. um, before we get to that, how old were you when you saw this? And and tell us the story. What is the story about this movie? Okay, so I think I was five. Oh, wow. oh shit! Yes. Okay, um, that is good. Yes. God, I think I was five. Well, like I said, unsupervised, but yeah. also I was a very sneaky child. <laughs> so what what happened with this film in particular was that okay, so my parents they had HBO, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and late one night I heard some weird noise, some intriguing sounds, <laughs> and so what I would do is I would tip all the way down the hall <laughs> through the dining room through the kitchen and then i would sort of stand behind like the door jam in the corner of the living room like beyond where they could see me but i could see some of the tv mm-hmm. or i could actually see it all and i would like sneak watch stuff that i wasn't supposed to see late at night yes. if i wasn't sleeping yeah nice. i did that so- a lot as well as a child <laughs> We all do that. Yep. Like it's like your 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 prime directive is just to be a little anarchist, yeah. basically, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and that's until you like you go through school and they squash you with the rules and you lose all your creativity and childlike wonder, and that's another story. Anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, so I would sneak down, watch some stuff, some spooky shit would happen. I would get scared. I'd run away back to my room, and then here some noise again some dialogue or some screaming or whatever and i'd be so scared but then i would just fucking go back for more oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love and i it. kept doing it oh my god and i was just terrified because that film is not a film a young child could ever watch no <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no. it was the greatest <laughs> was there a part that you remember specifically scaring you uh well that the werewolf transformation yeah that'll do it as as well as like you know the the corpse talking to his friend yeah. and the other talking corpses there's the slaughtered lamb sign itself jesus christ yeah that's a decapitated werewolf looking head it doesn't even look like a lamb in the word right in the words of jack where's the lamb <laughs> right yeah exactly you know there's the you have these two guys and they're young guys but to me they're like you know fucking 30 because i'm five and i don't know right anything. and they're in the wet cold dark moors of newcastle or wherever they are and they're lost and they're in the dark and when you're a kid getting lost and and dark things and things in the shadows and growling sounds that's all terrifying that's like some grim fairy tale shit yeah so and that howl that howl yeah is so eerie in the beginning that's what i'm saying it's still so good it's right so it still good. holds up yeah, but you know, I mean, how strange is it to just okay, just watch watch a movie, any movie, but then this this corpse your friend shows up and starts eating your toast in the hospital, <laughs> and it's like you should kill yourself, and you're like, huh? What is it? What? John Landis has a very creative mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, and then he comes back and his next meeting has like, you know, his other five victims and they're all talking corpses. But then like, you know, Jack is more decapitated and gr- I'm sorry, like uh, desiccated and green and decaying. I and, forgot like, how like fucking, gross he gets. Porn theater. I, that's, I was going to say, it's <laughs> so funny. Like, it's- kill yourself. 
you know. In a porn theater. <laughs> in a porn theater. So in a porn theater, surrounded by your victims. And one of them, the only woman, is like sitting there with this like cheerful grin on her face, offering up <laughs> ways of himself to go kill himself. Right. I mean, how unhinged is that? <laughs> it's so fucking bizarre. Yeah. Oh my god. And you know, there's the attack in the, the underground where he kills the tall guy with that the face. That was and... fucking horrifying. Yeah. The guy falls down the escalator. Oh, Jesus. And he's just waiting to be served well, up like, to this monster. And this absolute oh, beautiful shot from the top of the escalator where he's lying mm-hmm. on the escalator oh, yes. and you see, and like, it's like one of the first glimpses we get of the werewolf as he's like approaching out of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And it's just so beautiful and good. And it's, ugh. I love that shot so much. So good. And then, of course, at the end, not to ruin, you know, a 39-year-old fucking Uh, movie. um, (laughs) We don't care. At at this point, like, spoilers are, like, um, expected. So it's fine. You have a fucking full-out melee in the middle of what is a Trafalgar Square. You know, there's a melee. This this guy gets hit by a car. This woman gets hit by another guy gets pinned between a bus and a fucking yes. truck. Right? This it guy turns goes into flying like a in fucking air. action it's movie metal. for a minute. Was that? It turns into like a fucking action movie for a minute. Yes. It's like, an all yes. melee of me- metal madness bodies flying through the air, severed everything like like that to watch as a child. You're like, you, you're, you're, you're probably traumatized for life, you know? But I watched it the other night again to refresh because why not? And I'm like laughing hysterically because it's like the operatic violence is so well done. And I laugh at bad shit. So, well, and it, well, because it just, it feels like it's so nonsensical. Like he, ju- he bursts out of the porno theater and it all starts happening in front of a porno theater and just like <laughs> chaos reigns. And also, like, yeah. I think I laughed a little bit because I didn't realize how small the werewolf kind of was, like short to the ground, which yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. made me laugh, <laughs> which is terrible. But like, I just thought it was funny. And it, it, but it was also so violent. And I just. So violent. It's so weird because I, so this was the, I actually had never seen this movie before, which I am mad at myself about. Um, Welcome. I know. I had watched the beginning of it at, a horror movie night in high school, but I think they got bored by it, which was really frustrating. Cause I don't remember being bored by it, but I think my friends were bored. So I never had watched it. And so I finally watched it this week and my boyfriend was like, Oh yeah, I love this movie. And he said, it's not a comedy, but it's kind of a comedy. And that's what I feel like that's a good way to describe it. Cause I feel like it's not like hilarious, but it's like a really black comedy horror film it's totally a comedy it's yeah it, it's it, you can't not call it a comedy but it's not comedy <laughs> in the way that like a lot of people would think of like <laughs> right. it's more like you laugh at the ridiculousness of it and you're like oh that person's dead but i'm laughing like right. <laughs> like these corpses are telling him to kill himself and i'm laughing like that's pretty fucked huh <laughs> right i mean well why wouldn't you i mean we're in good company exactly you know terry how old were you when you saw it you know i I don't know that I don't know. I honestly don't. I know that I saw it as a kid. And I'm, I'm having like I had like visions of myself as like kind of doing the same thing you were talking about, Izzy, of yeah. like my parents watching it because my <laughs> my dad loved werewolf movies. He's like he was oh. a big like the Wolfman fan and like well I, he loved Universal Monsters okay. and he would watch them through throughout the years. And so I I had this like the the howl in the beginning of the movie just sort of brought me back to being a kid and i'm pretty sure that like i saw parts of it like i remember 
I think I probably snuck because like the way my house was in Alaska, like I, we were upstairs and it was almost like a loft and the, the loft is overlooking sort of like the, the living room area. And so I would I would kind of crawl on my arms like in like sort of like doing that kind of like army crawl to like <laughs> the the um the bars and like bars like the the railing and like sort of like squint and look down and I could see like part of the movie that they were watching sometimes and I remember the face of of David when he wakes up in the bed and his eyes are like fucked up and he has like he's like partially transformed in that yeah, one nightmare yeah. thing and I remember that like making me like run back to my room totally so I don't I don't know if I've seen like I know I've seen all of it, but I don't know if I've seen it all together. I think this might have been the first time that I saw it from beginning to end. Oh, interesting. To be perfectly honest. Because okay. wow. I remember scenes, but I don't remember a lot about this movie. I just remember the big the big scenes, like the one that we haven't even talked about, the Nazi nightmare. Oh, my God. Oh God. I know. How can you forget? Yeah, it's insane. That scene, I, I want to focus on that a minute because that scene comes out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, and I was really so does. I was so confused watching it this time because I was like, "Wait, why is he back home?" Like, I totally forgot that there was this whole Nazi wolf dream in this movie. I had to, I had to take a second to remember. I'm like Nazis. Hold on. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I the way that that scene is staged is so perfect because on the on the TV you have like Kermit and Miss Piggy talking about violence <laughs> and puppetry and and Punch and Judy and how like. And how, you know, this is good aggression, this is good aggression. Then all of a sudden, these, I, I don't know, are they supposed to be werewolves? I don't know what they are, but they're Nazis, and they come in and just start shooting up this Jewish family. One's like a warthog. Right. They're like, I think they're different anthropomorphic creatures. Yeah, I think so too. And they just like, shoot up this entire family, and it's so it's, bloody. It's so strange, yeah. I mean... Uh, it speaks to the Jewish experience, the journalist, yeah. you know, um, maybe he had that dream one, one day. I don't know. Um, I can't speak to that experience, not being Jewish myself, but right. um, having known about the Holocaust, I can only hint at an imagining at what, how horrible that would be, you know, if someone is hunting my family and my friends and, and all that like it has to that that's ingrained in your dna you know well and then and then also taking that a step further the idea that like you know he thinks this is what he's going to become and so he's seeing like these nazis killing his family and like he's being told that he's going to kill the people he loves and so kind of envisioning himself and as like becoming the bad guy it's such a powerful little scene that's kind of funny looking back on it but not at the same time it's yeah it's i see it as incredibly you know, horrific. I mean, the, the 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 sculpting of the faces of the creatures are it's you know let's 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 call it absurdist comedic. You know, yeah. For sure. But like what they're doing, Jesus Christ! And the way they just the the kids like you don't see that very often. Murdering um, children. <laughs> yes, yeah. like, and I know. Their it's are always, bloody as fuck. It's always so shocking when I see that because it's like it just feels like kids are always so sacred. It's so and it's always like kind of. I hate saying cool because it's not cool to see kids die, but I kind of like it when like a filmmaker will take a risk and do something like that. I think I, I love killing children. It's so not boring. <laughs> like, yeah, and like you know what? Fuck it. I'll just say it. it's not boring, and it's kind of cool to see people being like going going right into taboo stuff. Like I think that's yeah. important, and I think it's important for horror. I think like nothing is off the table for horror. So like, why not machine gun some kids? <laughs> Please no one take that out of context. <laughs> <laughs> Soundbite. 
film at 11. Mary Beth, Mary Beth McAndrews says she wants to machine gun children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And how we laughed. Uh, this is the liberal left. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. But I also love that the dream just continues. Like, I completely forgot that after he wakes up and he's with Nurse Price that, nope, this is still a dream. And she gets fucking stabbed by the, the wolf as well. It's insane. It's insane. That scene is, is so good. And then the transformation. Oh, we have to talk about it. Rick fucking Baker. Oh. He was the first to win the Academy Award for yeah. makeup. It is absolutely the most gorgeous use of practical effects i've ever seen like it holds up so the way they did the transformation it's it's, like on screen it just oh i can't even put words to it to like how it made me feel (laughs) i was sitting on my couch it was like my mouth wide open because like i knew i knew about the transformation i had seen clips online but just like seeing it as part of the film and like really appreciating the craft of the whole thing it's just it's 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 really amazing <laughs> it's pretty phenomenal and and watch that as small child yeah you're gonna be fucking scarred for life <laughs> yes someone tweeted at us and was like i was scared of my dog for weeks yeah of course yeah i wouldn't yeah anyone. exactly like, yeah that was uh that was jay nordell who's a friend of the show he's yeah scared of his dog for weeks as a child i would be too (laughs) yeah man yeah and the thing that like i it surprised me again i mean i mentioned this a little earlier that it's this we're an hour into the movie when this happens and it just sort of like there's no there's no like lead up to it he's just sitting there he's been like wasting away his day bored and then all of a sudden he gets like this this sharp pain in his head and then gets really hot yeah up his clothes Oof, I made a comment, nice ass. Um, <laughs> of course. I, of course. Well, as I do. As you um, know, yeah. <laughs> but like, and, and again, the way that Landis uh, mixes the comedy with it, because as he's like changing, he says, I didn't mean to call you a meatloaf, Jack. Because <laughs> like mm-hmm. he made a fun of his friend for looking like meatloafer. <laughs> and so like just this this combination of like all this painful thing that like you could feel it. It it It's it's so painful to watch just everything happening to him that just that moment of, of levity has made me start laughing. That actor, David Naughton, though, he really sold it with the screen. He really does. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. You could feel that and you hear the cracking of the bones as they move around and the stretching of the the back of his Achilles. Yes. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, as you, like, the horror as he watches his hand, like, elongate, and he's just Ugh. watching it in, like, absolute terror. It's just, it looks like it's actually happening to him. Like, he is legitimately yeah, becoming a werewolf. So fucking unnerving. And it had never been shown before on screen. Yeah. A transformation right. like that, which is why it was, you know, groundbreaking. And just, wow. Scarred for life. <laughs> <laughs> she said it. She said the name of the show. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Feel free to use that as a soundbite. There you go. For real, do it. Now, the thing that I made many little notes about because this is me is he is so sexy in this. Mm-hmm. I David Naughton is so mm-hmm. incredible. He just exudes sex in this movie, and <laughs> his relationship with Nurse Price is like, I'm like, I, I, I want you to do that to me. 
Yeah. <laughs> I it's it's I just I the entire time I'm like, man, he just is like oozing sexuality this entire time between him and and even him and Jack have this kind of playful flirtiness to him. Yeah, they, they definitely do. They do. Like, I like it. I like it. Um, I was like, I want a movie about the two of them being a couple. Hell yeah! I you know I was trying to think. Like, I was like, there 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 has to be some kind of like queer reading to this. Is but like I can think of what it of how to even start talking about it. But I'm sure there is something there underneath. Oh for sure, there's definitely a subtext. Um, and that nurse man, she was a snack too. Wow, Ooh, she's hot. Like, oh, how how could she be a nurse being that hot? Come on now, right? Like, I know this is Hollywood, but give me just a little bit to imagine here. This is just, she's way too cute. Gorgeous. Just and I was gorgeous. like, that's so creepy. You don't really know him. And like, he's obviously been traumatized and you're letting him stay in your apartment. Like, yeah, that's, you don't even know this that's guy. very Why? trusting of you. <laughs> well, not only that, but she like goes through sexual history in the very beginning. She's like, what, how did she say? She's had seven lovers, three of them were one night stands. Yeah, he's like, what? <laughs> She's just like, let me let me list off like my resume. <laughs> what an odd thing to say. Uh, and he uh, just wants to know, do you live by yourself? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. But then there's also on the on the comedy side, I love the scene at the zoo. Oh <gasps> yes. Oh yes. <laughs> Mommy, a naked American man stole, stole my, my balloons. balloons. What? <laughs> And just the idea of like, especially in the in the eighties when you had like a bunch of like child rapes happening, that you have this comedy point of this guy hiding in the bushes, like, "Come here, little boy, let me have your balloons. Uh, I'll give you a pound." Like, I'm thinking, "Oh God, what's he going to say next?" I have a little puppy over here for you. Like, you know, it's like (laughs) just that side of things. I was like, "This is really weird." Looking back on it, (laughs) it's such a weird fucking movie, but it's so good so inappropriate all the time 24 7 have you guys seen (laughs) yep right and if you if you like an american werewolf in london you have to watch trading places which stars dan Aykroyd and eddie murphy it is hysterical and jamie lee curtis is also i've seen it but i i can't remember i don't remember much about it it is a fucking classic yeah it's a fucking classic it's so funny and it's so smartly written and brilliantly acted and there's also like this really batshit scene because it's John Landis being crazy. So this <laughs> got to be something batshit. It, Dan Aykroyd's incredibly fucking drunk and he's running around in a filthy Santa outfit and he's got a gun and he's like, I'll be sorry. You know? <laughs> and he pulls out this spread of like smoked salmon out of his fucking Santa outfit on the bus and he starts to chew on it and oh, it's not okay. Anyway, you have to see that. Big fan of that movie. I I think John Landis is, is a really good director. I, he is? Yeah. He is. Yeah. <laughs> I met him. Did you? You did meet him? I met, yeah, I met the Landis. Mm-hmm. So, how did that go? How did that go? That was funny and strange and weird. Because <laughs> um, it would be. So, all right. So this is 2016. Around Halloween, uh, down in Mexico City for an amazing, amazing film festival called Morbido. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I was lucky enough. They've played several of my shorts. And I was down there. 
and their special guests that year were John Landis and Mick Garris. So, yeah, yeah. And Mick is a super nice guy, very affable. John is very, very either quiet and thoughtful and thinking about things or more not, you know, loud and bubbly (laughs) and boisterous because of course it is, (laughs) you know? So the first time I met him was like a little private pre-festival party for the filmmakers. And he went around the room saying, hi, what do you do? And you're a filmmaker? And like, what, what is your name? And what is your movie? And that was really cool. And That is really cool. Yeah. But then, so, all right. So the word filmmaker means, means different things to different people. And I won't, <laughs> I, won't, I won't name this other friend, but my friend was like, you know, oh, I'm pretty sure he's like, well, you're not a filmmaker. And he was like, what? <laughs> oh, no. oh, my God. He got so insulted. Oh, no. It was it was a very strange thing. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And then John apologized the next day by, like, buying him a little treat from this, uh, like, a little souvenir from this um, field trip they, he had gone, we had all gone on. So, okay. So, Morbido does these amazing filmmaker excursions and... Um, they brought us to the Sun and Moon Pyramid, and so we, you know, you walk around and you can go hiking up and down the pyramids, and one is more challenging than another, and there's a lot of space, and it's very hot. So after that, you go to, there's an on-site museum where there are half-buried ancient Mayan skeletons and artifacts everywhere, and you're standing above it, and you're looking down, and you're just seeing all this amazing, like, world history and right in front of you, and you know, they, they have like these ancient gods like Quetzalcoatl. And so we, we had seen that. And, uh, so John was talking about Quetzalcoatl and the history of that because he, he knows a lot of stuff. It's, it's insane. And then I'm like, yeah, cue the winged serpent, Larry Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, that's right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Larry's a friend of mine. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause of course. Yeah. And Ed Larry Cohen is another amazing filmmaker, very sociopolitical. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, that guy as well. Yeah. He, was, he was brilliant. Um, missed. Um, so anyway, so after this, this field trip in the museum, they bring us to this amazing underground restaurant called La Grotto or La Grotta. I don't remember sure which variation, but so it's in this beautiful, natural, huge, huge, huge cave and they have... It decorated beautifully for the Day of the Dead and, you know, the Katrinas and the little colorful banners and all the, like, the sugar skulls. And it's so fucking rad. And they have, you know, a special section for us with, like, these two huge long, long, long tables and this huge buffet. And it's like a multi-course meal and you have, like, you know, tortilla soup and you have flan and you have, you know, uh, mole, chicken mole. Oh, wow. Amazing side dishes. Like you, you eat yourself silly, basically, and it's just like more than you can ever eat, and it's just all so good. And you're so like, wow, I'm um, at this incredible event with all these amazing, talented people, and John fucking Landis is over there. Anyway, so <laughs> at the end of the meal, John Landis, he's sitting at the table behind me, and so strange. Okay, so it's Mexico, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really hot, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You're in a cave, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ice cream. Ice cream does not happen. He had asked for ice cream. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I did something incredibly strange because I'm a little bit off the fucking trail myself. Okay. So he's like, what? You don't have any ice cream? What? 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 And I turned and I whipped around. I go, what? Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> and then I slowly turned back around because he's just staring at me open mouthed and I'm like did I just make John Landis like speechless but then I was like what well, did I also just have a fucking outburst with little John lyrics like what the fuck just happened I'm like I don't know but it was really funny and so wow. yeah that is my John Landis wow. story wow <laughs> <laughs> I fucking pickled John Lennon's Jesus. That's what is amazing. Wrong with me? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sober, so here we are. Well, there you go. Yeah, man. <laughs> so to wrap up, we are going to give this movie a rating out of five. I'm going to say five slaughtered lambs. Um, oh, yeah. So Terry and I will share our ratings, and then Izzy, you get the final word and your final rating on American Werewolf in London. Fantastic. So, Terry, how many slaughtered lambs out of five do you give American Marvel from London? And what are your final thoughts? You know, I got to give it I got to give it five out of okay. five. I I loved this movie. Um, I I loved it even more this t- this time, I think maybe because I might be the first time I saw it all the way through. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just I think the practical effects hold up and we we know i stand practical <laughs> effects i just i love them and i think the chemistry between the two leads is just so amazing to watch and i i gotta admit i find david Naughton incredibly incredibly sexy in this <laughs> um so in that regard uh i got it i laughed a lot i jumped a couple times i thought i thought it was a blast um yeah five slaughtered lambs for me what about you mary yeah. beth five slaughtered lambs out of five i am ashamed this is my first time seeing it but i'm also so glad i was finally given the opportunity to make myself sit down and watch it it is such a funny and fucked up and amazing film and again practical effects like the transformation scene is flawless and i just the way that it marries like really dark comedy and horror is just like chef's kiss so <laughs> so Izzy, what is your rating and your final word on an American Rebel from London? Thousand percent, I'm with you guys. Five out of five, slaughtered land. It is a strange, wondrous journey through bizarre corpse cameos and <laughs> horrific Nazi creature demon shootings and sexy moments and horrific practical effects transformations that will never be forgotten fun acting fucking melee in the middle of london everyone's dying it's hilarious (laughs) i love it very much and you should watch it if you haven't seen it everyone's dying it's hilarious i love that um everyone's dying it's really funny go watch it bye exactly <laughs> but you know listening to you describe the movie though it's amazing that this is all in one film like just yes it, it's it's it, it is insane it is insane uh <laughs> well thank you so much izzy for joining us to talk about american werewolf in london where can our listeners find you and what do you have coming up oh thank you for having me uh i can be reached on twitter nile noctum film my website is nile and you can watch trailers in my shorts or see what i've written for like the horror book anthologies that i've been in or what festivals i was going to be at with disco graveyard (sighs) but we live in a uh very strange terrific horrifying reality right now where i'm not even sure if it is reality or this is all just a horrible dream or it's something like the matrix i don't know (laughs) but (laughs) disco graveyard was gonna play boston underground it was gonna play chattanooga film festival this weekend 
Yeah, um, I was like this weekend. I was supposed to be in the, in Chattanooga, and you were going to be there too, right? Yeah, we we're going to fly out tomorrow night. Yeah, and it is such a fun town, and run by, you know, the fest is run by really fun people, and you can get fried chicken biscuit sandwiches. It's mm. insane. And um, when I go there, my blood is replaced by Chattanooga whiskey, which is a hell sponsor. yeah, it is delicious. So. I don't know where I'll be this year, but as soon as festivals come back and it's safe to do so, I will probably be as many of them as I can. Awesome. Awesome. So listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. What was your experience with an American werewolf in London? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, follow the podcast and keep the conversation going by chatting to the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Everyone, stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.